So we are, we're going to do this kind of in two parts tonight. Um, we're going to spend a few minutes now, and we're just going to reflect kind of back on the last 12 to 18 months or so here, and some of the things that we've gotten to see the Lord do, um, and just take some time to celebrate those. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I know I'm guilty of is that I don't stop and celebrate enough. I'm always wanting to push like to the next thing without ever stopping and really celebrating and being thankful for things that have happened in the past. And so we're going to do that first, and then we're going to spend some time in worship together, some extended time there. And then at the end, we're going to spend some time talking about what's coming in the future. And so what I thought I would do is I'm just going to kind of walk through uh, a lot of our ministries here. And I'm going to start with the things that are most visible uh, over the last 12 months or so. Uh, The first is that, man, the Lord has been incredibly faithful in our transition here. Um, At times, um, in fact, uh, I stop and I'm almost kind of stunned by where we are in this this moment. Um, Kim and Bev led this church, planted this church, um, cared for it, shepherded the flock here so amazingly well uh, for 29 years that it's almost uh, amazing. And it's a testament completely to the Lord that as they retired and moved out of that role, and someone new stepped in who has barely been alive for as long as they were uh, leading this church, uh, that the Lord has been so faithful to us. And a huge part of that is because of the staff of people that work here. Um, It actually wasn't much of a transition in the office, if you will, because our staff is so fantastic. And at times, I have to stop uh, and just remind myself how fortunate I am to get to lead and be a part of this with that group of people. And so I hope that whatever ministries you and your family take part in here uh, at LCF, I hope you realize how wonderful our staff people are that lead those. Um, At times... I feel as though um, I'm like the luckiest pastor in America. And a lot of that is because of the people that I work with. And over the last year, we've brought some new people into that. Um, We brought in Kurt. Um, Yeah, seriously. It It was nine months that felt like nine years to find Kurt Huber. Um, but it was, it was a worth it nine months to wait. Uh, he, has, he has slid into our staff in an amazing way. Um, he has settled in perfectly. It's almost like he's always been here, which is pretty amazing. Uh, we also added Erica Thomason to our staff. Um, Jim went uh, a little while there without a sidekick, um, without someone to help him. And then we brought in Erica. And if you don't have uh, a student in our student ministry, or if you don't have a daughter, um, 
I can't encourage you enough to just get to know Erica a little bit. Uh, she is incredibly wonderful, and she loves uh, this church. She loves this, the young girls in this church, our sixth grade, seventh grade, college-age students. Um, and that is like a tangible love. It's not just a she loves in word. Um, she loves in action, and she loves with her time, and it is absolutely amazing to get to watch her do that. And so she's been an incredible addition to our staff. We've added individuals in our office that a lot of you um, maybe don't get to see on a day-to-day basis. They're not necessarily our upfront uh, people, but we added and lost Cindy Charlton. Uh, we, uh, we added her, and, and she took us from like, um, everything being printed on paper and some things and um, processes not being the most efficient to like, it actually feels like we exist in 2017 in the office, which is amazing. And a lot of that is because of Cindy. And we're losing her for the most wonderful reason ever, and that's because she's going back to Japan um, to take the gospel as uh, an extension of this church in this body to share the good news of Jesus Christ in Fukushima. And so um, that was a wonderful addition for us. We added Christy West. I don't know if Christy is here. Um, she, yeah, you can clap for that. She is, she works alongside Catherine and Libby, but really she assists with True Seekers um, and helping with all of the work that goes on behind the scenes to make that program function, which I'll talk more about in a minute. But she has been an incredible Um, addition to what we do. And then just within the last couple of weeks, we added Jenna. Raise your hand. I don't know if everybody knows Jenna. I'm, I joked, uh, I joked with Betty one day about how excited I was to add Jenna because we added another millennial in the office. And, and watch out because we're going to start to outnumber the rest of the people in there here soon. Um, But Jenna has, has stepped in to the role that Cindy is stepping out of Um, And we're super excited about her being with us. Um, Our office is a special place. And uh, what happens in our office uh, bleeds out into what happens in our congregation. And the strength of our staff over the years and right now, I believe, is a direct uh, reflection of the strength of our church. And so uh, it's a wonderful place to work. If you ever just want to come swing by in the middle of the day and hang out with us um, and just see what it's like, it's a lot of fun. Um, But God has been incredibly faithful in the midst of the transition here. And a huge reason for that is because of the people that we have on staff and the opportunity to work together and to serve together to lead this church. In some less visible capacities, you may not have or you may not be involved in all the various ministries that go on here, um, but I just kind of want to walk through. I'm going to start with the youngest and work upward, if you will. and what's happened in this church over the last 12 months or so. So I'm going to start with children's ministry. Over the summer, uh, between our younger and older VBS programs, uh, there were 289 kids who came to VBS here, um, which is amazing. And there were 130 adults who volunteered their time over the course of that weekend for the older kids or that week for our younger kids. And during that, 22 young people placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. And while 419 
individuals were involved in that, children and adults combined. That's a whole church endeavor. And you may not be here on, uh, you may not be here one of those weeks, or you may not be here or up at the camp for the weekend with the older kids. But a lot of prayer goes into that, and a lot of uh, giving of materials and, and time and those things go into it. And so that's a whole church endeavor in 22 kids had their eternity changed, and that is absolutely worth celebrating. Um, Our True Seekers ministry that Catherine leads, there are 95 students who, uh, third, fourth, and fifth graders who take part in that, and it's really fun to hear Catherine talk about the relationships that exist between our truth seekers and their leaders, and many of those begin in third grade, carry over fourth and fifth grade. Some of those leaders then they roll into like our middle school ministry and serving with those kids. And there have been some who have started with kids in third grade and then saw them through to graduation, which is absolutely amazing that a caring adult would invest in a a young person here and disciple them for that long. Um, And that is an amazing uh, ministry that exists here. Our student ministry expanded from sixth through 12th grade to also include college now. Once we got Erica here and Jim had a little bit more capacity, we added college ministry to what our student ministry does. Um, And that college ministry has begun to do a pretty awesome work with students um, here in our church who maybe uh, go to college somewhere else, but they come home for breaks or they come home for summer and they're investing in those students and caring for them. And then during the school year, um, they've begun to really get some pretty good traction at William Jewell College. And I was getting to hear Erica talk about some of these students who are in what's called the Oxbridge program at William Jewell, which culminates in a semester or a year abroad uh, studying. And these students who are coming and taking part in that college ministry and then are going to be launched to various points around the world for a semester abroad and have the opportunity to influence people with the gospel in those places, uh, which is really, really cool. And it's been slower than I think Erica maybe envisioned that um, how quickly relationships would build and that ministry would grow. But to hear her talk about the faithfulness of the students who are taking part in that and the amount that they love it and the way that they're inviting uh, their friends who also many happen to be in this Oxbridge program. And then the chance we're going to have as a church and their ministry is going to have to launch those kids out overseas to carry the gospel really as cross-cultural missionaries in another place for a semester or for years is really exciting. Uh, For the first time that I know of in our church's history, uh, Jim, bless his heart, took middle school kids to a summer camp um, called Ponca Bible Camp. He took 39 students down there, um, which they loaded up on a school bus and drove down, and then they were there for a week, and they came back. Um, But not only did he take 39 middle school students, they also took a chunk of high school students who gave up a week to go and serve there. Um, And that has rolled into what I think is an incredibly um, awesome picture for our church of those high school kids who now serve as d-group leaders for middle school students, which is pretty amazing. One of the things that uh, Barna Research Group says Uh, has a direct impact on whether or not a student's faith survives during college is the degree to which they were invested in their church in high school. And for those students who are serving, uh, 
there's no doubt in my mind that they will go to a college campus and they will look for a place to serve. They'll look not just for a church that they can uh, be a consumer at, but a place where they can invest and be an active part of the body. We also have uh, an incredible worship team uh, of students who lead worship here on Sunday nights at youth group who are committed and invested and they lead that themselves, uh, which is pretty amazing. And then as always, we had a chunk of students go to Camp Barnabas um, and serve, and Jim has actually doubled the number of spots that he's going to take to Camp Barnabas this coming summer, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm going to call that. Within uh, our adult ministry, we all are the beneficiaries of how amazing our worship team is. Can we agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian, Brian does an amazing job leading those teams. And I don't know if you've noticed, uh, but on Sunday mornings, we have a number of teams who lead in almost a completely like self-sufficient, kind of self-contained way without Brian having to be there and be a part of that, which speaks to the way that those teams have grown. Um, there's the team of kind of Leslie and Ryan Binkley that lead. Joel and Ben led uh, this past weekend with a full team. And it is one of the joys of my job here to stand uh, over here on Sunday mornings and get to watch our church worship. And sometimes I'm like frantically trying to collect myself when I walk up here to teach uh, because I get very emotional watching you guys worship. Um, We know as a staff some of the things that people in our church are going through and some of the challenges and, and struggles and difficulties. And to see those people come in and proclaim a trust in Jesus in the midst of that, and to sing that, and to mean that, is incredibly impactful for me. Um, and so our worship ministry is an amazing part of what goes on here. You could, you could go to other churches and experience something very different, and I, not just in terms of the talent and the capacity, the capability of those teams, but the spirit and the heart of the people that lead us in worship every Sunday is amazing. Uh, in our small group, Ministry, um, something that you may not know exists but does exist, is that there are two groups that TA calls equipping groups. They've got 38 people total in them, and those two groups are geared toward training uh, couples, individuals to lead small groups in the future. And so there are 38 people over the course of this current school year who are going through these equipping groups and are training and, and getting ready to launch out and lead small groups in the future which is pretty exciting. One of the things we've always struggled with here uh, is having enough groups for the size of our church, uh, which we could have, we could just create groups, but having enough leaders who feel confident and equipped and called to do that. And so TA is working with the Fleeners as well as um, the Maynard McDonald's in preparing those individuals in order to be ready to lead. And so this coming fall, TA... Uh, He told me to not oversell it, but he thinks, he thinks and he's praying that five to ten new groups would be able to launch in the fall and that we would have space for that many more families and couples to to be engaged in our small group ministry. I want to just do two other pieces here. Um, Missions over the last five years is something that has really grown 
in uh, its kind of collective heart here at our church. And a large part of that is because of the perspectives class. Um, I believe very firmly that as people are engaging with that class and seeing the Lord's heart for the nations throughout Scripture, that He is changing the heart of this church. And our ministry in Haiti is something that has existed for a long time, but you may not know that over the last year, um, Bev has led, Bev May has led an effort to put together a discipleship curriculum that's being used um, at Source de la Grace now. And they went down, um, her and Sharon Howerton went down, and they spent an extended time there late this fall helping Source de la Grace implement that curriculum so that they can use that to intentionally invest in the kids who um, are at the children's home and at the school, which is really, really exciting. Um, our team in Western Asia, I talked with Drew just the other day, and he was talking about the progress that they're making in their language study and in their language capacity. And one of the things that he was most excited about is that uh, he, as well as Drew, both had opportunities to do one-on-one ministry uh, in the native language with people and sat down and been able to explain the gospel and talk through what it means to place faith in Jesus and to answer questions that they had about scripture and not have to use English, Uh, which they are really, yes, praise the Lord for that. Um, And they are, they are really, really excited about that and about the possibility of being able to do more of that in the future as they all continue to to grow in their language capacity. The last area I want to highlight is that completely separate from anything that our staff has done, that our church has tried to create, some ministries have been born in the hearts of people within this congregation over the last year, which are really, really awesome. And you may not know that they exist, but I want to share a few of them with you. Um, We have an, an outreach to the children who live in the Ridgeview School District school zone called A to J or Anchored to Jesus. And Karen Moreno had uh, just the Lord place on her heart a burden for those children. And so every Sunday, uh, they meet in Ridgeview Elementary School and they do Sunday school for the children in that neighborhood. Um, and they've had, they've had 12 different children come to that over the course of the school year. But a really cool story just took place this last Sunday, which was that as they were getting ready to start, a car pulled up. And uh, there was a man and a woman in the car as well as a child. And they said, we saw your sign in the neighborhood, and we want our child to take part in this. And so there they are. Um, providing a service to a neighborhood where, uh, because of various factors, people there would maybe either have a challenge making it to church or have no history uh, of being in church. And just faithfully, every week, Karen and her team show up to serve those children. And it is a really cool thing. Every once in a while, we get um, little reports on how that's going, and it's so encouraging to get to read those. That was just the Lord... Uh, gave life to that in her heart, and she was faithful to carry that out. Another is The Wall Project, and that uh, is headed up by Natalie Moultrie, and it is an effort to connect churches and individuals within Kansas City, not just in Liberty or not just in the Northland, but all over Kansas City who come from various 
ethnicities, races, cultural backgrounds, and to begin conversations and dialogues and to allow people of different cultures to experience another culture. And they meet uh, pretty frequently, once a month or so. Um, they have attended different churches um, in, a, in an effort to see the way those individuals worship the Lord and what their church services look like. And one of them was like four hours long. Um, They've had the opportunity to just sit down and have meals together and to allow people of a different culture to bring what food would be customary. And it's just created a lot of dialogue back and forth, um, which is really, really awesome. Robin and Joe um, Nurberg are getting ready just in February, a couple weeks from now, to break ground on a school in, in Ghana that is in an area on what's called Lake Volta, which is one of the highest areas in the world of modern-day slavery. And what happens is that individuals will go into the towns that surround this lake, and they will give parents the promise of an education for their children if they will sell their children to these individuals. Well, there's no school happening. They go and they get put into forced labor, either in mining or in fishing. And so... Robin had um, went on a trip over there, and she saw that, and the Lord really laid it on her heart to do something about that. And so she had it, uh, the Lord brought to her heart the desire to actually build a school in one of these towns so that they can say to parents, your child can go to school right there and live at your home, and you don't even have to consider sending them with the individual that shows up because they're not taking them to school. They're taking them to slavery, and you'll never see them again. And so that school breaks ground in February, which is absolutely amazing. And then I, I want to do one more, and it's possible that I missed uh, some, but I want to highlight one more, and that's the Valiers have been working on a ministry called Whole Family Care, which is among, uh, it's, it's a little bit larger, but I'm trying to simplify it's going to provide a place where single parents can receive help and daycare for their children so that they can pursue job and work opportunities um, and that that child care would be um, free to them and would be able to provide a service so that they can pursue a job and be able to support their family despite being single parents, which is absolutely amazing. It's been, uh, that began stirring uh, in the Valier's heart some time ago, but they've over 2016, they got all their paperwork in line. They got everything settled so that um, they can begin really pursuing and getting that going. And so in the near future, they'll, they'll have that up and running. And those are things that, um, that's just what the Lord is moving in our church, that he is stirring people to have a desire to love and to care and to share the gospel in creative ways that meet needs both here and around the world. And it's amazing to be a part of. And as people have asked over the course of the last year, Tim, what has the transition been like for you? I keep coming back to the same word, and it's this, humbling. It's incredibly humbling to be a part of a church where the Lord is moving so far in front of us that it is incredibly, incredibly clear that what happens here is His work and is thanks to His movement and really has very little to do with our staff. We were talking and praying a few days ago, and it is so apparent that what the Lord has done here is vastly greater than the sum of what our staff could put together on our own. And it's humbling to get to be a part of that and to get to call myself the lead pastor here uh, is a huge blessing and privilege.
to get to say that um, I'm the pastor at Liberty Christian Fellowship and then to get to talk about the people here and to get to talk about what the Lord is doing here and to look back on the last year and say, we have so much to celebrate and so much to be thankful for. And even though we're pressing ahead and we have things that we want to do in the future and ways that we're praying that the Lord would move in the future, we're also incredibly humbled by what he's already done for us. And what's become incredibly apparent to me, I always knew it in my mind and in in my heart, but I don't know that I'd ever really seen it play out in life, is that God is going to be faithful to build his church, and he just asks us to be faithful to walk with him. And that is the story of the last year, that he has been faithful to build his church and to advance his church both in and around LCF, and he just asks us to be faithful. And it is a privilege and an honor to get to serve a congregation that strives after faithfulness to him. And so while we celebrate, I also want you to hear me say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to lead you and to serve you. Thank you for the opportunity to get to call myself the pastor here and to get to talk about all of the amazing things that the Lord is doing in our midst. And so it's with that that we just want to spend time worshiping in response to what God has done here. So you can stand up. I'm going to pray very briefly and then turn it back over to Brian. Lord, we just want to stop and say thank you. Thank you for the way that you're moving in this place. Thank you for the fact that you have promised us that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And thank you that we can trust in that promise. Thank you that we don't have to be so clever or so capable or so talented that we somehow advance the gospel, Lord. Thank you that you just ask us to be faithful and that you will advance the gospel. Lord, we want to worship you for how good you have been to us and for how good you have been to humanity in making your kingdom your grace known. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start that with uh, a reminder of our mission and our purpose and our vision here as a church, and that's to build devoted followers of Jesus Christ here uh, at this church, here in the Northland and in Kansas City, and to the ends of the earth. And so, uh, right out of the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And I want to start with the nations part of that, because we have some missions things that we're really, really excited about in the upcoming year. And one of those is that in February, uh, kind of at two different times, we're launching a team, like I mentioned, uh, to Japan that is going as missionaries from LCF to share the gospel in Fukushima. And that's Cindy Charlton and Kurt and Catherine Wells, if you know who they are. Um, Cindy actually leaves very soon, like 10 days or something in that neighborhood. And then the Wells leave... Um, later in February. And their model is different than our Western Asia team, um, which is why we've, it's 
functioned a little differently. Uh, they're actually going and they're going to work and have jobs because that's the way you do things in Japan. And so there hasn't been the fundraising uh, push that we did with our Western Asia team, uh, but we're going to be commissioning them on this Sunday during second service. We'll be praying over them and getting ready to launch them off. And we're really, really excited about um, that team joining with our other efforts in Western Asia and in Haiti and in Japan already with Lisa and in China. Uh, so we're very, very uh, excited about that. That launches in February. We're also really excited. We're taking three trips to Haiti um, this year to go down to Source de la Grace and serve there. The first one is in March, and that's we talked about that last Sunday. It's going to be our annual birthday celebration and teacher training, and then we'll do our sports camp, and there'll be a third trip during the year as well. We're also launching out teams over the course of 2017, small groups who are going to go and visit our missionaries in various places in order to encourage and support and uh, just be with them and love them and see the work that's going on there. And uh, I know our missions team is very excited about that. I'm really excited to just have those teams come back and tell us about what the Lord is doing there. We get the newsletters and we get um, feedback, or we have conversations with our missionaries in various places, but to have some of our people go and then come back and just be able to tell us, here's what the Lord is doing in these various places around the world. Uh, that is incredibly exciting. And another component of that is that we are hiring a part-time missions pastor who is going to be overseeing uh, our missions efforts globally and is also going to be uh, really taking the lead on helping us engage evangelistically as well as in a mission sense with the nations here in Kansas City and in Liberty. And so we're in the process of finding that individual and praying over who it is that the Lord would bring to us in that capacity so that they can take all of those missions things and walk alongside our missions team in really uh, helping us continue to serve our current missionaries well, to explore new missions opportunities, but also to train our body. And what does it look like to engage with the nations here in Kansas City? Because they are here. Um, it's just a matter of going to be with them uh, and having our eyes opened to their presence in the places where they are. But also, what does it look like to really do a good job of carrying the gospel to our neighbors and being evangelistic and living lives that share the gospel with people here? So we're really excited about that. We're in the process of that uh, right now, of trying to find the right individual to lead that for us on our staff. But one thing uh, that we're also very passionate about is that in our uh, rush and passion to reach the lost, that we wouldn't neglect the faithful. And those are the people who make up our body currently. And a big part of that is Kurt. Um, guys, if you haven't had a chance to spend time with Kurt, I can't encourage you enough um, if it's just getting together with he and, and Michelle and, and their family, or if it's scheduling time uh, to be with Kurt, we want to do uh, an increasingly good job of creating a culture here where we don't ignore or neglect our wounded. That there are people in our body all the time who are hurting and experiencing things that are incredibly challenging and sometimes feel like they have to do that in silence. And we don't want that. And so we're really excited beginning uh, in 2017 and obviously beyond of really creating a culture where as a church, we're not afraid to lean into the broken things in our lives and to walk alongside one another and caring for those. And Kurt is leading the charge for us in that. 
there's an area on our website. Since you're all regular visitors to our website, you probably already noticed it. But there's a new tab on our website, website that just says pastoral care. And you can click there, and there are some forms on there that go directly to Kurt where you can begin uh, engaging with him and saying, I could use some help with fill in the blank. And our prayer, my prayer, is that our church would so take advantage of that um, that we, and led by Kurt, put together a team of people here at our church who have hearts to walk alongside people who are in the middle of brokenness and in the middle of pain or in the middle of suffering. Um, and that we would be a church that's marked by our care for one another and our desire to see marriages thrive and parenting relationships thrive, that would long to see people that have hurts find healing, that would long to see people who are suffering find joy uh, on the backside of that in the Lord. And so we're really excited about Kurt's presence here to do that with us. We're also really excited about continuing to just equip our body to meaningfully engage with the Lord on their own. One thing that my prayer is that this church and Sunday morning would never become the sole place that a person engages with the Lord. And so that's part of where this Bible initiative thing that we're doing came from. A desire to help, instead of just telling people, read your Bible, pray, worship, that we would actually take very seriously the calling that the Bible gives to pastors to equip people to be able to do that and to be able to do those things on their own. And so um, what started as a, hey, let's just brainstorm kind of conversation and let's spend some time praying about this as a staff. Uh, and what I thought was like, we could, we could maybe like do a thing and maybe like 12 people would like join in with us. Uh, 16, we gave out six, almost 1,600 of those little red books, which is absolutely amazing. And we're... The future books of those are in the process of being created, and it's so evident that the Lord has gone before us. And so we're really, really just fervently praying over our congregation's time in Scripture. Um, I'm praying that there would be individuals who um, are engaging with Scripture who don't know the Lord, but are saying, I'm willing to read the Bible, and that they would see and experience Jesus there for the very first time. Um, And combination with the number of books we gave out, um, the little thebibleinitiative.com is getting regular traffic every day of people who are going and utilizing the resources there. And so we're really excited about that and we're praying over it. Um, But we're also, uh, if you read your transit, which everyone does, actually 38% of people do, (laughs) because we can see that. (laughs) If If you read your transit, you will have seen that Uh, This week, Brian actually sent out a link to some Spotify playlists. Spotify is an app that you can get. It hosts music. You can play music for free. And he's created two playlists. One one that is songs that we sing on Sundays, and it's kind of the normal songs that we're rotating through. That'll change as we continue to change the songs that we rotate through. And another one is just some daily worship songs so that we can equip people to worship the Lord in their own time. Not everybody's musically talented and can get out a guitar and do that in their home, but while your family's doing family devotionals along with the, the Bible Project, if you want to be able to spend some time in worship, Brian and his team have put together those lists of songs. I encourage you to go check it out. Tim, how do I find it? You go find the transit email that you may have deleted. 
and you open it up and you boost our open rate. Uh, and the link, the link is in there, and there's an explanation of how you can access those lists. And so we're really, we're really excited uh, about that as well. And then the thing that uh, we're really praying over and have begun working on that we're really excited to share tonight is that in March-ish, we're going to begin a building renovation here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some general uh, ideas of what that building project is going to include, but we're in the process of working with architects, and so we don't have exact details yet, and we're in the process of getting everything approved by the city. So, um, But in general, what that project includes is uh, removing that wall and moving the size of the sanctuary back. If you were to go out into the MPA when we're done and you stand in the middle and you look up, there's a beam that runs across the middle of the MPA up, up on the ceiling. We're going to move the back wall back to there. That will increase uh, the seating capacity in here to about 600 seats. It's like 420 to 430 now, depending on uh, if there's a baptistry up here or how many chairs we put on the back rows. Um, if you are a second service attender, you know that in the second half of the year, things got pretty tight in there. And the church growth people say that if your sanctuary at any time is 80% full, that feels too full to a visitor. They come in and they say, I can't find a seat. No one notices me. And so um, we've been well beyond that in second service for quite some time, not just over the last year. And so um, we're scooting that wall back. And then in the space behind that, there's, we're going to uh, have an assimilation space where new people can come and uh, interact with a pastor or with our welcome team in the mornings. There's going to be two levels in there. That's the plan at the time. But like I said, we're still working with an architect. And so there'll be some space upstairs. Um, we're really excited about that project. And in tandem with that, uh, we're also going to be increasing our parking capacity. Uh, yeah. That way, when I go long, it's not like it was this past Sunday. Um, and so we're in the process of, of getting the parking side of things situated with the city and getting the interior side um, situated with an architect. And so we're really, really excited about that. And here's why. We as a staff hear stories at times of individuals who show up here on a Sunday morning or at Easter, or at Christmas Eve, and they circle around the parking lot a few times, and they have trouble finding a spot, and then they just drive back out. At times, those are individuals who are a part of our body, and it's sad to know that they felt like there wasn't space here on any given Sunday morning, and they didn't get to come and worship with the family, if you will. There are other times where those are individuals um, who are maybe arriving at a church for the first time, and they thought, you know what, I'm going to go to this one, and they circle the parking lot a few times, and they don't make it inside, or they do make it inside, and they're here, they happen to be here on one of those Sunday mornings when it's very crowded, and they stand at the back, and they can't find a seat, and they don't have a pleasant experience uh, it's just too crowded. And they maybe never come back a second time. And 
I say that not because I'm so concerned about the number and size of people in this congregation or who are here on a Sunday morning. I say that because that's a person who maybe was going to give the gospel a shot there. And the Lord was doing something in their heart. And trust, trust me, I know that he can continue that work in their heart and it doesn't have to happen here. But as a staff, we want to be as faithful as possible to every person that has an interest in coming here to hear the good news of the gospel. And so this project that we're getting ready to do is a gospel endeavor. And it requires our entire church. It requires that our church have a heart for those who aren't here yet. It requires that our church sees the future of what God could do through a person who isn't here yet. And I say that as a person who at one time was not here. And that this church, years ago, 15, 16 years ago, cared enough about lost people in this area that they made space here so that a 15-year-old kid could come in and hear the message of the gospel and give his life to Jesus Christ one day. And I always want us to be a church that cares enough that makes space so that people can do that. Because what we have no idea about is whether or not the Lord is raising up someone who could take the gospel to the ends of the earth. The Lord could be stirring in the heart of a person who goes on to be a missionary, who goes on to be a youth pastor, who just goes on to live a faithful Christian life of discipling and loving people and telling them about the gospel in their workplace or in their home. The Lord could be drawing a person to this church who 29 years from now ends up being the next pastor here. And I want us to always be a church that sees the future of what God could do through one individual and is willing to make space for that one individual. I want us to be a church that embraces the reality of the fact that the local church is the hope of the world. It's also the hope of this community. Not just this local church, but all the local churches here. I hope that we're a church that fully embraces that building devoted disciples of Jesus Christ isn't something that we do in word only, but something that we would give ourselves to. And so we have an amazing uh, heritage here spiritually that Kim and Bev built a church that loves one another, a church that loves the Lord above all things, and a church that loves the lost. We also are incredibly fortunate to have a church here that has an incredibly strong financial history, and that the building and the growth that has happened here throughout the years in large measure has been done in cash and without having to take on debt, and that's the way we want to do this project as well. The reality is that if every person, if every family at LCF tithed, if they gave 10% of their income to the Lord through the local church, we would have more than enough money for this project right now. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. And so if you're not someone who tithes, I would be failing you as a pastor to not challenge you to do so. I'd be failing you as a pastor to not say that it is a spiritual discipline and one that grows us and strengthens our faith to give to the Lord. And if you're not tithing already, I'm going to encourage you to begin that process and not necessarily listen to what I say next. If you and your family aren't currently giving 10% of your income 
to the work of the Lord through the local church, I want to encourage you to start there. If you are tithing, I want to open up a different challenge to you. I want to challenge you to pray specifically about how the Lord may want to use you in reaching this community and the world. That might be financial, but it could be something different. He may ask you to sacrifice your time by investing in this church or in the people around you. He may call you to sacrifice your life by going to the ends of the earth in order to share the gospel with a people group that's never heard it before. He may ask you to sacrifice your gifts and service here or in some other ministry. He may ask you to sacrifice your finances. And my prayer is that as a church is that whatever he would call us to, we would be obedient to. And so the ask tonight and going forward is that we need $200,000. I crunched some numbers. Given the fact that there are about 18 or so hundred people, not families, people who call this church home, that would be $111 per person in this church. The Lord could certainly raise $200,000 in an instant here. It's not an insurmountable amount of money for our church, but at the same time, He's going to do so through willing and faithful and obedient people. And so I'm challenging you tonight to pray. I'm challenging you and your family, husbands, I'm challenging you and your wife to come into prayer before the Lord and say, how would you want to use us in order to share and expand the gospel through Liberty Christian Fellowship, through my life, and then to be obedient to that. And if that is financial, Um, and you are moved to give, um, we will be incredibly thankful and humbled by that. You can do so by writing on an envelope or online if you give online um, capital improvements or building project, or you can just put sanctuary on there. Betty's a smart woman. She'll get it in the right place. Um, But if the Lord were to call you to something else, and maybe financial giving on top of a tithe isn't a reality for you and your family, we absolutely understand that. I pray... Um, that you would be obedient to following what it is that he does call you to, whether it be with your time, with your energy, um, with your life. And so um, that is something that we are incredibly excited about. That project would begin in March, like I said, once we get everything finalized and hopefully would be done um, shortly thereafter um, in the summer-ish, let's say. Um, The really nice thing is we won't ever have to be out of this space in the midst of that project. So it will go on back there and we won't ever have to find another place to worship. We'll be able to continue doing so. Um, Which leads me to this. I'm going to wrap things up and the band's going to come up and we're going to do a couple more songs. My desire, um, our desire as a staff, I pray our desire as a church, is to see God build his kingdom for his glory through his church. His kingdom for his glory through his church. And our call in the midst of that is simply to be faithful be faithful as individuals and be faithful as a collective body. And I want to end with one thought, and it's something Veronica came over, Veronica Meeks came over and said to me while we were worshiping, and she said um, that she had felt a burden uh, of the Lord to put on her the reality that the cross um, is about worth. It's about the worth of humanity in the eyes of the Lord that he would give his son because a relationship with humanity was worth it. I pray that as a church, we would see the lost and say they are worth it.
Jesus went to the cross for them. I'm willing to give for them. Whatever that looks like for you, whether it be financial or in some other capacity, that we would see the loss the same way the Lord does as so valuable and so worth it that we would give of ourselves to see them come to know the Lord and to step into a relationship with Jesus. So we're going to spend um, just a few more minutes here worshiping, and then we'll go. Um, But let me pray for us, and then we'll wrap up tonight. God, thank you for the work you're doing here in this church. Thank you that you go before us. Thank you that LCF does have such an, an amazing and rich history of serving this community and serving the world and carrying the message of the cross to those who are lost. Lord, I pray that we would never lose sight of that mission here. God, I pray that you would stir in our hearts a a willingness and a desire and a yearning to be faithful and obedient to you. God, and that as you call us as a church to give of ourselves for the expanse of your kingdom, Lord, would you have our hearts in a position that runs in obedience after you? God, I want that for myself. I pray that for our church, for each person who calls LCF home. Lord, that we would all embrace the Great Commission of building devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would build your kingdom for your glory through your church. Amen. You can stand up. Let's sing together.